Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera. I am back from Maui. We escaped the wildfires. It was electric, and we are here. The main thing is, honestly, we made it back safe, but we also came with plenty of bets for you. I hope you guys enjoyed the money series with Brandon Anderson, but we've got a full house today. I've got producer Corey, and we have a very special guest, Reed Wallach, host of The Early Read and a senior editor at BetSided. How are you guys both doing? Uh, Reed, let's start with you. That was an epic lead. The mo- <laughs> like, yeah, we made it back from Maui. No, no problem. It's okay. We're, we we made it out alive. But don't worry, we had bets. It's all good. No, uh, <laughs> pumped to come on. Long time listener, first time guest. Uh, pumped. Uh, chop it up. Obviously, college football is my bread and butter. So hope I could hand out some winning bets along the way. And you know, just pumped to be on. Awesome, producer Corey. How you doing? I gotta critique your intro. <laughs> you hit me with it. You just called the escape from Maui electric. Well, I mean, it was hot. I, I actually didn't have electric, so you know, it was all self-producing electricity. It was, it was the opposite of electric. It was it was just analog heat. Yeah, it was uh, OG power, power source, if you will. Yeah. So, but we that's made all it. I got. But it's nice to see you, and uh, congratulations on the wedding. Thank you, man. I uh, I do hope that everybody that is impacted by those wildfires is doing okay as best they can anyway. Um, and be sure to donate. We've made some, you know, kind of put some of those out there as well. So it is uh, nice to be able to give back to the community uh, if you can. But Reed, wanted to touch about your pod because I know that you just started hosting that, uh, the early Reed. Uh, you've got a series of episodes out kind of previewing college football and the college football season starts this week. So I'm very excited to have you here i know this is a very busy time for you uh thanks for making the time uh are you excited for this season yeah we're at the point in the season i'm I'm sure you guys go through it too probably around like nba season like all the bets are in they've been in it's it's go time you know i've talked about this week zero slate for like two weeks now and it's kind of like almost like anxiety like i've uh, I have all the bets in, you know, I'm like cash poor now because everything's in the, in the ledger now. So I need to, you know, basically get to December to get my money back. But um, yeah, it's, I've looked over all this stuff so many times. I mean, college football, there's 133 teams, 134 teams now in the FBS level. I've looked at every team. It's just time to go and get these games started I mean, week zero and week one. Honestly, can't end fast enough because I don't want to look at them anymore. It's just like, I just need like the games. That I feel like in my head, I've already simulated them. I already feel like I know what happens, but no, it's, it's good. The pod's been great. Uh, we did a conference. I did a conference preview. Every single conference had on some really, really smart guys in the college football space, whether it's sports betting, college fantasy football, which is like a really emerging market. That's and wild. a lot of, there's a lot of really smart guys in the space had on everyone. So if you're listening now and you want to cram ahead of the season, Every single episode or every other episode is a conference preview. Make sure to check those out. You get it wherever you listen to your podcast. And then the week zero preview dropped on Tuesdays. The goal is, again, we're CLV bonfire, all that stuff. We're trying to get in some early bets. Obviously, week Whatever zero. You can. Yeah, week zero markets have been up for a while. So this one may not be in tune with like the early read per se, but the goal is every Tuesday have an episode with a really smart person in the space talk some college football, you know, hit on what happened last week, the following week and really get into it. And, you know, I, I'm rambling now, but honestly, I, I think 
sports betting, it's a growing space. It's there's a lot of really smart people in the space that don't necessarily have a podcast or a podcast that is as recognized. I try to chat and speak with anyone I can in the space. Yep. And even outside the college football season, I'm going to try and keep up with it and find whatever's topical NBA season, college basketball, golf, whatever it is. I want to try and give a little bit of a platform for the people in the space that may not have as big of a following, not that I have the biggest, but <laughs> I want to, I want to talk about sports betting with smart people and hope to, you know, make other people smart and like have them think in the right space. So that's kind of the goal of the podcast. I feel like there's a lot of, frankly, can I curse on the podcast? Yeah, go for there's it. A lot of shit, there's a lot of shit out there in sports betting. It's it, seriously, yeah. there's a lot of shit out there that, you know, people really spew nonsense and there's not a lot of uh, blowback. And I feel like, you know, you want to listen to the right people and hopefully I have a decent eye and my, myself am a pretty solid. Yeah, um, no, for sure. For sure. And I mean, I think that some of that, what you said there matters a lot, right? You know, talking to smart people and just having conversations because everybody has their own thoughts or they have their own system or like the way that they analyze. And I think that one of the things that's most, uh, kept back or like gate kept is really the process, right? Like when you go on Twitter, when you go on social media, you see people just saying like, uh, Texas minus seven. And it's like, sick. I don't like what, like why, <laughs> you know, like, and I think that that's like a really important thing to understand some of the nuance behind it. Or like maybe the seven is a good number, but an eight isn't a good number mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So I think that that's really important. And, you know, to be able to do that is, you know, rewarding for listeners it's rewarding for yourselves and i think when you get to talk about it more you kind of get a little bit more information out there uh and you're able to kind of talk through some of your angles as well um yeah what absolutely if, what's up with week zero though like i don't understand it like why isn't it just week one <laughs> i i don't know why this must have started a few years ago i probably should know why i don't again no idea why i think it started with when the european again this is a total guess but when a few games started being played overseas. Cause like this Navy wow. Notre Dame game is being played in Dublin last year, yeah. Northwestern Nebraska. And it's just an excuse. I think for a few of the smaller schools to get in an extra game, get some more TV rights, get some more exposure. And, start. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, no idea why it's called week zero when it's really week one. Yeah. But I had to guess it's cause teams moved up their start time and the official week one is when everyone plays. Cause like next week, everyone's in action. So mm. If I had to guess this week zero was people kind of cut in the corner and they were like, no, 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 we can't like everyone starting next week. You don't get like a full week. So we'll call it week zero as like a compromise, but I yeah. love it. It's a, it's a beautiful it's cool. little, uh, it's a little hodgepodge of a slate. I, I love it. It's a beautiful little runt of the family. You know, I think it's fun. Like, you know, everybody's excited. And like you said, you kind of get some of those, some exposure to some of those schools that may not get that otherwise. One of the things that I've ne- we've never done a college football pod formally. I think we talked about like, the national championships, stuff like that. But um, do you have any thoughts on like some of the differences between NFL and college? Because I think that that's one of the biggest things for recreational betters is like, you know, you're looking at it. It's like, it's football. The scoring's the same generally, but from your perspective, because like, I know you see a lot of blowouts in college, mm-hmm. but is that one of the major differences or like, what do you think is one of the major, most important differences between college and NFL? From a recreational better standpoint, I'd say the tales of observations in college football is so much wider than in the NFL, because like you said, there are more blowouts, but there's also more upsets and the difference between teams are actually much greater. Like in the NFL, like if I were to pull up an NFL, like what's a projected blowout in week one, aren't like the, the uh, bucks are going to suck this year and they're playing. Bucks the, I think, it's, yeah, the Vikings are, 
what are they? Is this week one? I think the Vikings are laying like six and a half against the Bucks, who are like projected yeah, to be the worst like team in the NFL. And the Vikings, they just won their division last year. They're looked at as like a average to above average team. So like threats are only six and a half. And a lot of the time the game lands inside of a touchdown because the difference between two NFL teams, whether they're above average and really bad is only a touchdown. Like the difference between Georgia, no bad example. The difference between like a top 15 team, let's call it um, Notre Dame know, we'll and it, Navy. Sure, Notre Dame and Navy. <laughs> yeah. Really good example. Notre Dame's laying it. 20 and a half, 21 on a neutral field. The gap is so wide, but at the same time, though, these aren't like professional football players. They're not like a known quantity. Like, you know, Kirk Cousins, especially at one o'clock, he's going to be pretty <laughs> good. He's going to be pretty solid. You know, Baker Mayfield, who's starting for the Bucks, is probably going to be pretty bad. Granted, you have an expectation that like Notre Dame's quarterback, Sam Hartman, is going to be pretty good, but you don't really know the difference between Notre Dame and Navy, especially in week zero. You have an no. idea. And you have these numbers really baked in, like last year's number and how much should you take from that last year. So I think the reason why I – because I didn't start really betting college football seriously until like three years ago. I've learned, though, the tails and the uh, the difference between the teams are really overstated compared to the NFL. And you could really find some advantageous situations, whether it's taking an underdog on the money line that is actually much closer – lot of underdogs on the spread because the difference in the teams simply is that much. Obviously, it's the other way, though. Georgia-Tennessee last year is a really good example. Georgia was, like, laying seven and a half against Tennessee, who I think was number one in the country. Yeah, I beat Alabama. And Georgia was still laying seven and a half, and I just saw so many people, because obviously it's a marquee matchup, everyone's like, oh, my God, like, Tennessee, like, look at what they did to Bama, like, Hendon Hooker, Josh Heupel, like, this offense is going to go crazy against Georgia. I bet Georgia in the game, I felt really confident about it because Georgia's that much better than everyone else last year. Yeah. Tennessee was a damn good team. Doesn't mean that they're in Georgia stratosphere, the best team in the country. So to me, I just find that there's more variance in the sport. The outcomes are much wider. They're much more blowouts, like you said, but there's also a lot more upsets and trying to gauge the difference between the two teams is something that I've really zeroed in on. And I think I've done to you know pretty solid success, especially over the last two, three years. Yeah, no, I I definitely would agree just from seeing, you know, your history betting on college or really pretty much most sports, honestly. But um, when you look at this, I think one of the things with NFL is everybody knows like the key numbers, right? Like three, six, seven, ten, whatever. When you get to college, when you start seeing these spreads that are like 20, right? Like you mm-hmm. don't see that in in the NFL, is there a degree where you like, do you care as much about those key numbers or is it a little bit different because of the overtime rules? Like what is the way that you look at key numbers or is it just kind of like, I'm just going to try to get the best value here. I think this side is dramatically better or this line is kind of out of whack and the market just kind of has it here based on the action. Yeah. Numbers, I think like compared to the NFL again, are a little bit looser to like go through key numbers. It's still, you're seeing typical key numbers, three, I guess six, seven, ten. I still like to try and get right on the number. I like, yeah. I, I bet my stuff typically early in the week, try to get ahead of where it's going to go, If especially if it's on a key number. I'd say I'm a little, I'm not, listen, if I make a number and I think there's value on it, I try to get around the key number. Yeah. If I still think it's valuable through one, I'm still willing to play it. I'd say totals, I'm a little bit more, um, a little bit more married to there are some key numbers and this is all going to sound random but like the most common totals over the last three years are 55 48 51 59 yeah. 45 yeah i try to 
stay around those. And like, if that's on a key number and I could see that maybe the market's going to go past that key number, I try to stay close to that one. Cause totals, I just feel like those ones are a little bit closer college though, with the key spreads, not as they not as don't land on them as much, but I still obviously try to get on them, but like NFL, obviously like you're not going to take a dog through three, but like in college, you know, if you take, you still like a team two and a half, like maybe bet the money line, but like, it's not as like, Oh my God, like you're taking two and a half. Like, it's, yeah. it's okay a little bit more relative to the NFL. All right. That make, that does make a lot of sense just because of a little bit more of the variance that you're kind of seeing in college football, especially with the scores. So look, I know you said there's 133 teams. That's a lot. It's a lot of teams, man. Like, do you have a, like, let's say, do you have a conference that you like to follow the most? Or is it kind of like, cause we're seeing this like, matching of like all the Mm -hmm. major schools into like one or two conferences. Does it get hard from like a handicapping perspective to care about some of the like lesser ones? Or is it just like, I love it. Like, I don't care. Give me all 133 teams. (laughs) I, I said, I think it was a podcast last week. I love all of them equally. Like, you know, like how you're a parent (laughs) talking about a child, like, you know, I love all my kids equally. I try to think that I love all of them and I give them all the same time as the season progresses. I mean, again, like I'm spitting out numbers on all these games. And if some catch my eye, then I'll go through them. But other ones, I guess, like as the season progresses or I don't have a feel for them, I'll kind of just like leave them to the side for a little bit. Yeah, I do try to go through every game, though, and try and see if there's something to bet on. Like, again, I try not to uh, pick a favorite or anything. I personally think the new changes coming in the next year. Probably bad for the sport as a viewer probably a little bit trickier as a sports better because you're going to, I think next year might be a little bit crazy with like the increase in schedule. You're talking like, first of all, the playoffs expanding. Is there going to be like a, maybe like a load managing type thing? Like yeah. not like NFL. Like if you make the playoffs, like do you sit a guy like last week of the season, like that might come into play. Mm-hmm. Not to mention like big 10 sec, like the schedules got that much harder now. Cause you're, you're bringing in for the big 10, you're bringing in four high level pac 12 teams and for the SEC, you're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma, which are high-level programs in their own right. Um, so I think next year is going to be a huge learning curve, and you might see some people get, you know, kind of – if you get locked into a certain theory or, you know, a thesis into the year, you might get see some people get smoked. Um, yeah. That's for next year, though. For this year, though, I think it's business as usual. I think, you know, there's two new teams in uh, the FBS. They're in Conference USA, Jacksonville State, which maybe we'll talk about. And Sam Houston State, I think, you know, it's I, I'm not going to change my process this year. I know there's a new clock. I'm not really subscribing to it too much, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think this year, though, I'm really going to cherish it because next year a lot's going to change. No, that I think that's super fair. So when you look at this season, um, I know like let's focus a little bit on the top of it right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you look at this, do you think that there is an overwhelming favorite to win the title at this point in the, in time during the season, or is it like there's a tier uh, like, you know, maybe like a top four or top three that you think is all kind of right in the mix for that. But I, I feel like you don't see the long shots in college in the same way. It's like, these are the best teams and that's it. Like nobody else is even making it because the committee is kind of like, well, like we don't think so. Mm-hmm. The, the national championship in college football, like it's kind of lame, like from a betting perspective, like right now we're talking, it's August 23rd. Like it's kind of lame because ultimately there's at most like 
five teams that could actually win the national championship. Like, um, I guess UConn's a bad example from last year. Last year, I'm talking about NCAA tournament, but like, yeah, San Diego State and FAU, they make the playoff or they make the final four. Sorry. Like, that's crazy. That is like nuts. That doesn't really happen in college football. And somewhat happened once over the last two years with TCU, Cincinnati yeah. making it, but and like, they got shit pumped. Like, yeah, exactly. TCU made the national championship game. All the credit to them. They're a little bit better. But like Cincinnati making it, they were like three touchdown underdogs to Alabama. They that insane. game was like pretty much over when it started. So yeah. when you're trying to handicap the national championship picture, I don't have a bet in on who's going to win the national championship. I agree with the market. I think Georgia should be the favorite. I see why Alabama and Ohio State are the second and third choice, but like those teams have their own quarterback issues. So you know, Michigan, they probably have the highest floor of those three teams, just given mm-hmm. what's coming back for them. But yeah. we've also seen them run into Georgia two years ago. They got smoked in the semifinals. Last year, they lose to a really explosive offense. So the high floor, but maybe not as high as a ceiling as like an Ohio State who has like, you know, first round picks on the outside at wide receiver Literally. and stuff. Yeah. So there's certain teams like to me, LSU, like I'm just going down the odds right now. Like LSU, really good, maybe playoff stealing, but like they're probably not going to win the national championship. USC's definitely not going to win the national championship. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> like this year with the quarterback questions, I could see Clemson rising back to the top. That's a team that I've kind of taken a stance. I think Clemson is going to be back in the college football playoff this year. That's a good number. If, yeah. I don't know if they could win it all, but if you're looking for like a flyer and Clemson and to me, Penn state, also has a pretty high ceiling. Yeah. I think you- I think that's interesting though what you're saying though because it's kind of one of those things where unless Georgia falls apart, even if you take one of these longer shots, right? Like you're never even going to really get a great hedge opportunity because mm. they're going to be big dogs to realistically like whoever they play or at some point. And then you still have to win at least one game to get to the championship. So it does create like kind of a vacuum in that type of market for winning the national championship as again, I don't have any bets on the national championship market. I do yeah. kind of like Clemson and Penn state. Like if I were to like take a flyer, yeah. um, I'm very active though. in like conference champion, I like to, I personally think like a better investment, like is to make the playoff, like to yep. me, Clemson, I'm kind of uh, like exposed to Clemson. Like I have like club <laughs> Nick to win the highest man. I have Clemson to go undefeated in the regular season. I have Clemson to win the ACC. I like to me, Clemson, I'm just looking at uh, FanDuel, plus 350 to make the playoff. To me, you know, I know you're not getting 16 to 1, but you also have to win two less games that you're two, like, least, least or, yeah. you know, two lesser hard games. Like, you you go to the semifinals, you're playing, uh, if you're a three, you're probably playing, like, Michigan. Okay, that's really tough. That's like a coin flip game. And then you play Georgia, probably, and you're a 10-point, 14-point underdog. Okay, yeah. that's why it's 16 to 1. Plus 350, you get your money a few weeks earlier. And to me, it's really viable, whereas, like, national champion – it could hit, it's a lot but like tougher. it's not, yeah, it's obviously a lot tougher. So I, I just, I don't get as so caught up in the national championship market versus there's other ways to play these teams to have really good seasons. I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's a good, I think that's great advice for people, right? So when you look at this, um, you like Clemson, they're about plus 145 to win the ACC. Is that, do you like that bet better than to make the playoffs or it's, it's kind of the same really, right? So to me, yes, it is the same. The I technically like if they lose the ACC championship game, they're probably not getting into the playoff, right? Mm-hmm. Because 
I guess it would depend on what else happens. To me, my favorite bet on Clemson this year, if you go to DraftKings, yeah. this was available last week. Clemson to go undefeated in the regular season. It's oh, kind of a crazy. mix. It's kind of a mix of all of these bets put together. That's yeah. five to one. I actually don't think that makes a lot of sense because A, they're gonna be favored in every single game this season. Their their toughest games are Florida State. They're like a three-point favorite in the look at a market. Yeah. I like Florida State. I think they're a little overrated. It's still there. They're, gonna really, they're gonna be really good, but I think they're a little overrated. So they play Florida State. They host Notre Dame, a team that smoked them last year. And I'm going to get to why I like Clemson after. But then they have a few tricky road games. They play at NC State, at Miami, at South Carolina. They host North Carolina. So it's not an easy schedule, but they're going to be favored in every single game. So if they take care of business, that bet hits. And you also don't have to worry about will they make the playoff and win the ACC championship game. You know, it's, you know sooner if this bet's going to hit. Now, like again, you, you can – win the ACC still with a loss. You're not dead. But to me, sure. I just like the five to one payout. So why do I like Clemson so much this year? They were God awful last year on offense. DJU didn't work out. They promoted their quarterback coach. I think Brandon Schreeder to offense coordinator. And he was a disaster. So you think it's all bad, right? Clemson, like everyone's making fun of DJ and all that stuff. And they couldn't get out of their own way. Meanwhile, they still won the ACC. They still, I think they ended up winning like 10 games, 11 games. They were good still, like yeah, relatively. They still were really but... good. Their offense was 30th in success rate, which is like a measure of, can you stay ahead of the sticks, more or less. Yeah. So they were still a top 30 offense. They just looked bad because it wasn't Clemson, and their quarterback looked like he couldn't throw a ball. So what did Dabo Sweeney do this offseason? He went out and got by far the best offensive coordinator on the market, and Garrett Riley, who was the offense coordinator at TCU, who we just spoke about going on this dream run. He has Cade Club make a five-star recruit. I, behind Trevor Lawrence, I think he was the highest-rated Clemson quarterback recruit ever. So, yeah. pedigree. He sucked last year, but also we talked about how poor that system was. He was thrown into the fire, didn't work. Still led them to an ACC championship, by the way. They have weapons back on the outside. Bo Collins, Antonio Williams, Noble Johnson's a freshman to keep an eye on. Veteran running back, Will Shipley, and four returning offensive linemen. So, the offense, to me, has a huge ceiling to go up. And the defense still should be top 10, top 15. Plenty of returning production. Uh, Xavier Thomas on the pass rush is going to be nasty. Potential pro. He's been banged up, but hopefully he's a pro. So to me, Clemson, team that has kind of been dropped off after like a down year, down two years. DJ, you didn't really figure out. Yeah. To me, with Garrett Riley, who's going to simplify the offense and kind of add that explosiveness back, I think Clemson has a really high ceiling that kind of has been left off after a down few years. So like to me... Clemson futures. I personally like the undefeated regular season because I think it's live. They're going to be again. It's not like I need them to upset anyone. They no, just need to like, take care of business. Yeah, or at least so, like a pick them right because Florida State's their biggest competition, I guess, in the ACC. Yeah. So again, it's a bigger payout. It's five to one. I just think it kind of cuts the corner on a few of those bets elsewise, and you're still getting yeah. a pretty big payout at five to one. So that's oh. like my favorite Clemson bet. I like that. And then, you know, you talked about Clemson being back. There's a team that I got to talk about. Like, are they back? Are the Texas Longhorns back? Like, are we back? Or like, like what's the deal here? <laughs> I, I've been I've been told by every single person that Texas is in fact back. I, I've been I've been made very well aware this summer that Texas is back. And I see the reason why. Like I, I they have so much talent. They yeah. I, 
They're favorites to look, win. Yeah. Yes, they are the clear favorites to win. I would say the only reason why Oklahoma is in shouting distance of the Big 12 title is because Oklahoma has like easily the easiest schedule. Like if you go, yeah. I could pull up Oklahoma schedule now, but like Oklahoma, if they don't make the Big 12 title game, that's like we might be talking about Brent Venables on the hot seat already. Like that, like something went wrong probably. I haven't bet on Oklahoma to win the Big 12. I just don't like it. But I think that I understand why the market's re- saying that Oklahoma and Texas are head and shoulders above everyone else. To yeah. me, Texas, they bring back their entire offensive line. They have studs on defense. They obviously have a sick wide receiver room. They lose Bijan Robinson. They have another five-star. They just got uh, C.J. Baxter. Uh, was Brooks, the running back, is back. I mean, this offense is filthy. My only issue with Texas is I'm still not certain that Quinn Ewers is that good. Last year, I know he was banged up, and I know still like power ratings love Texas, even though they kept losing. Like everyone loved Texas. And the reason why they kept losing was that Texas really struggled to throw the ball down the field. Quinn Ewers was very, very inaccurate. Outside, this was a team outside, and I know Hudson Card played at times, but still outside the top 100 explosive pass rate, that's not going to cut it. That's a problem. Yeah. You know, it, so to me, yeah, Texas is back. They have so much talent. I question if Sarkeesian can make adjustments during the game and if Quinn Ewers can win them games. But that being said, the team's ultra talented. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they made the playoff. I'm, I have no Texas exposure whatsoever. I kind of have to see it because I just have questions for Ewers. I have questions for Sarkeesian. And also the schedule isn't like that easy. First of all, they're going to be a big underdog at Alabama. So, Let's say they lose that one, right? They're projected to lose. So let's say they lose at Alabama. To make the playoff, like, you probably have to run the table. Like Otherwise, yeah, you got to win the Big 12 and run the table, yeah. Yeah, maybe two lost Big 12, like, maybe gets in if you get some help elsewise. But, like, to control your destiny, you can drop one at Alabama because that's not that bad of a loss. But then you got to take care of business. They do play at Baylor. They play at TCU. They have Texas Tech in the home finale, who's supposed to be good this year. Home Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Red River. So, like, are we sure if they drop the game they're supposed to, are they going to be on point the rest of the season and not drop another game? That being said, like, they're yeah, they're really good, and they should win at least 10 games. Like, it would be a failure if they didn't. But I just haven't bet it because I think, like, I, I'm not, like, uncovering something, right? Like, I like everyone knows that they're going to Everybody talks about Texas. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think the stuff that you're saying about Ewers is interesting because, like, I know he worked on his footwork a bit for, <clears> like, in the offseason to kind of improve that deep ball. But I think that what you're saying, though, too, is if you can't throw the deep ball, it kind of exposes you to a little bit more variance because, like, you're not getting those explosive plays. You have to do everything right. And then it slows the game down. Like, you're going to have fewer possessions, fewer times to, like, get, like, actually use your your offensive tools texas might be one of those teams maybe early in the season like kind of you're saying like a lot of people are like we're gonna bet on them like they're back they're back they're back maybe there's a time like early in the season where you can say like i think this might be a little overvalued or like prove it you know like prove it to me that you can really cover like a massive spread here because you're not getting enough possessions i would be interested to see at baylor week four that's a game i'm interested because i i think I'm a little bit higher on Baylor and going into this season. I really like their head coach, Dave Aranda. And I think the defense is due to bounce back because he's a really good defensive coach. Um, yeah. At Baylor week four, especially if Texas beats Bama, 
I'll be betting on Baylor just like because the market will go so crazy for Texas. Like Quinn Ewers will be the Heisman favorite and everything like that. But yeah, like again, it comes a point in time where like preseason, like there are teams I like, like last year, like all the teams like I bet on that, like really cash for me, like in the futures market. And like, those are my boys. Like, unfortunately I gotta, like, I gotta say goodbye to you guys. I need new friends because <laughs> you know, like everybody, everybody else likes you. You are, everybody else wants to bet you like, Random, like South Alabama last year, team I had to win the Sun Belt. They were great last year. They ended up not winning the Sun Belt, but like everybody was like, wow, this team's really good. They're now the favorite to win the Sun Belt. I can't bet you anymore. Like, I, you know, it comes a point. No. So Texas, this team isn't coming out of nowhere. Everybody loves Texas. Everyone says they're back. They probably are. I'm just not going to be able to bet on them because I just think the schedule's kind of tough and I still question the quarterback play. No, I, I get that. And, I, and, you know, you've mentioned yours. You mentioned uh, the quarterback at Clemson. You mentioned a couple of these guys for certain bets uh, for Heisman. So I kind of want to pivot to this market because I'm looking at this market. There are some juicy numbers here. And, you know, like there's a there's literally one player that's not that's less than 10 to 1 um, at Caleb Williams. Everybody else I'm seeing, I'm looking at DraftKings right now. Everybody else is at least 11 to 1. This seems like a market where you can actually find somebody, maybe not like a total sleeper, but you can find a little bit of value here um, just based on the fact that there are a lot of big numbers and there is a lot of uncertainty here. Who is your, what is it like? How are you building your portfolio for Heisman mm -hmm. or like who generally wins? It, it's usually a quarterback, right? Yes. So let me start by saying Caleb Williams won't win the Heisman next year or this year. I love like, it. I, Clip there is <laughs> there's the, yeah there's he's not winning the heisman it's hasn't happened since the 70s archie griffin a running back for ohio state one back to back it hasn't happened since yeah. and the issue with that is is that in college football a there's voter critique but also you basically need to like up your season from last year and it's quite literally impossible for him to be better than that than last year so I mean, he totaled like uh, over 5,000 total yards, 52 touchdowns and like five interceptions. And USC won uh, 11. I think they won 11 and one in the regular season. So like yeah, epic season. Disgusting. disgusting. Yeah. Awesome season. I don't think he can win because A, the schedule is impossible. The schedule is nuts. Let, I, let me pull this up, especially the back half. It's really, really brutal. But so USC has a buy in week three because they play this weekend, week zero. They're closing six is at notre dame utah at cal washington at oregon ucla and that closes out a nine game stretch of games and typically you see some like uh marginal returns like back to the mean after like game like seven or eight you start to like see some yeah. fatigue build up so i don't think usc is gonna have the team success to really achieve like college football playoff Pro maybe they make the pac-12 title game but like i don't see it happening for them so I think Caleb Williams isn't going to win. The art of betting the Heisman is you need to have a blend of really good stats, really good team success. And like, it sounds dumb, but like you really do need like that Heisman moment. You need like the marquee yeah. game that like you pop off and, you know, big numbers or like the play that was cool and you win and all that. And it's not like against Rice or something. It's got to exactly. be like meaningful. Yeah. So like, yeah, USC has these games, but if they lose some of these games, Caleb Williams isn't going to get the recognition and he'll fall out of favor with the voters and everything. So I, I kind of hinted at it. I bet Cade Klubnik to win the Heisman. He's my, I again, if Clemson goes on the feed in the regular season, he's like at least a finalist, maybe even yeah. wins the whole thing. So to me, Klubnik with the offense of upside, I think it's totally worth a bet. 
to me, if you're looking for a Heisman winner, tell stay to yourself like a like a checklist almost. Is this guy going to total? And you could look at like all their players. Like that's what I did. I basically yeah. have a list of like all the other Heisman candidates and be like, okay, can this guy do like similar to that? And then like we're in business. So like to me, like benchmarks like total over forty five hundred yards, like. 40 probably total touchdowns and like not a lot of interceptions, even though like that's not yeah. a killer, but like can't turn the ball over, obviously. But also like you'll lose if you turn the ball over. So that's kind of without it's, saying. Yeah, exactly. Next, are they gonna win a lot of games? Like, I believe a Heisman trophy winner hasn't won since like the 80s. That wasn't on at least a nine-win team. And like it's very few nine wins. Like, I think Lamar Jackson, who like you have to be like so transcendent. Yeah, exactly. And know that guy like doesn't really exist this year. Like maybe Caleb, but we kind of already ruled him out. Yeah. So your team needs to win like at least 10 games, probably closer to 11. So like maybe only one loss in the schedule. If you're right, if you think your team's going undefeated, like you probably have a Heisman candidate on your team, more or less. You have so, to. And then, yeah. and then the marquee matchups, like are they going to win a handful of big games that everyone's going to be watching and tuned in for? And then you could pretty much narrow down who's going to win your Heisman and, of course, win those marquee games. So, like, you go down the board, like, Jaden Daniels, Jordan Travis, they play in week one. Loser, you're going down the board. Maybe you come back at the end of the year and you run the table and you're back. Probably not, yeah. Probably not. Quinn Ewers, we kind of talked about already. If they lose that Bama game, are you going to have the runway to, you know, pick it back up and get there? To me, Klubnik, I, you know, goes without saying for me, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington, I see it. He's going to have the gaudy stats. Is the team going to win 10, 11 games? It's really tough for, like, these Pac-12 quarterbacks to get a lot of love. I know that, like, sounds stupid because Caleb Williams just won, but, like, you look at last year, Washington dropped some dumb, dumb games. They lost to Arizona State. Like, can't lose those games. an ugly loss. Yeah. Can't lose those games. J.J. McCarthy, interesting one because I think Michigan's pretty good, but – they also have two like future pro running backs next to them, and they don't really let JJ cook. So, like, while I think the team's gonna be really good, I'm not sure if he's gonna have the stats. Like, maybe yeah. he's a finalist. So, like, I guess like 18 to one. Like, I if I'm betting these guys, like I want them to like have a shot. Like, I don't really see a path where JJ wins unless like everyone falls apart. Yeah. Uh Bo Nix, kind of the same as Michael Penix. I think the offense, like, probably the same, but like probably not a Heisman winner. Drake May, really interesting one. I know people are going to talk about him. He's really good. His team also is going to win like seven or eight games, and he won't win the Heisman. Sam Hartman, no. Uh, uh, Carson Beck, this is an interesting one with Carson Beck. And okay. I'll stop rambling. but uh, No, hit me with that one. Carson Beck, he's the he was just named the Georgia quarterback. And I know you're thinking to yourself, like, well, like, Setson Bennett didn't win, and Georgia was the best team, blah, blah, blah. Carson Beck has been like – I saw like reports like he might be like a day two draft pick, maybe even a first round pick. So like people like the the ceiling for Carson Beck. Yeah, he yeah. might have like more of a pro ceiling. Definitely has like a, a big arm. So like maybe Georgia like takes the top off the off or the defense a little bit more. And maybe those stats get there. My one issue is is that a we don't really know. Like he's not like a proven commodity. Uh, yeah, and the offense has never really been that. So like you're gonna be counting on the two-time national champions to go for like a complete departure from what they've just done. Yeah. I don't know if that gets there. And also like George is almost too good for like a Heisman winner. Like it's like, they're they're just a wagon. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're going to be favored by like two, three touchdowns in every single game that the games aren't going to be marking matchups. Like if they do what they're supposed to do, they're actually going to just rob people and Carson Beck won't play in the fourth quarter. So I don't know if his numbers will get there. 
I, I think um, my question for you is right. Like when you're looking at this, do you think about people like club Nick? I know you said you've bet him already. Right. Mm-hmm. But like a guy like yours, you know, like whenever they play Bama, is that a spot where like, if you're looking at that matchup pre-flop, like let's say they're a touchdown underdog to, mm-hmm. uh, to Bama and Bama's like, I guess the money line there would probably be like plus 285, maybe plus 300 or something like mm-hmm. that. Right. If you look at that, would you rather, if, if, if you were looking at the market, would you rather than like, let's say yours is like 14, 15 to one to win the Heisman. Would you rather bet the money line or would you rather bet on yours to win the Heisman there? That's a really good question. I'd have to think about it. My answer would probably be a mix of both. both. Yeah. But like, yeah. It, okay. Like the way you could think about the Heisman again, like it's, it's so like biased. Like it really is like all these, all these awards, like, as I've learned over the years, like even like go back to like NBA MVP, like Jokic and Embiid. Oh, you know, there's yeah. so much like human bias and like people like just like are like starstruck with what's going on in front of them that they like they're like drawn to it. So like I would say, and sorry, if my dog playing with his toys. Uh, no, you're good. Them in the back. Your mic's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so like yeah, if Texas goes into Alabama and wins, I will assure you. Quinn Ewers will become the favorite to win the Heisman. So, yes, will he win? That's, I don't know. It's only Different two. question, yeah. So, but yeah, like if you're looking to make a plus EV bet and you are that confident, and by the way, if they lose, he could also still win. But yeah. if you're that confident that Texas is better than Alabama, they're going to win, and Quinn Ewers is going to have a big game, yeah, you should probably go back and win the Heisman. Because, like, yeah. it's just going to age well. Like, if you're into, like, the cash-out thing, like, for, like, your plus EV bets, you could do that. You could then start playing the market. Like, you're at the very least, it's going to shrink. So, like, yeah, like if you really believe in like the winner of LSU Florida State, like I don't know if they'll be the Heisman favorite. Like maybe the market will get a little wacky because it's week one and it's like kind of the first thing you see. But like, yeah, if you really like LSU, like you should probably go bet Jaden Daniels to win the Heisman. He probably won't win, but like he's on a fa- like he's on the fast track again, like the the springboard. Like to me, the train's leaving the station for Cade Klubnik week four against uh, Florida State because I think Clemson's going to win that game. They're better, and then he's going to go. Maybe he's like around like 12, 15 to one or whatever. And then that number is going to 750 and then it's yeah. going to keep going down. Yeah. So like if you want to bet on him pretty much now or like you got to bet him before week four is really the time to do so. So mm-hmm. I like that spot. Um, I just put a little bet on him. Uh, so <laughs> listeners, you know, please, please, you know, take that, take that with what you want. But um, I want to quickly turn to week zero uh, briefly is there a game that you have a bet in that you like still? Um, Cause I know we're kind of like hitting that point where it's like some of the CLV is not really there, but is there a spot where you're like, I, I still like this opener. I still think there's some value on this spot. So I've bet three things for week zero. I might okay. add another one, but so like Navy patching now it's 20 and a half. I wish I came on when the 21s were still there, but uh, like, I don't want to do like the past post, like, oh, I have 21, like, you don't have 21, like, whatever. No, I, I get win, you lose. Uh, <laughs> I hate that. Like, the rivers I, right now, but <laughs> I, I, I like Navy in this game. I think that the spread should be closer to where it was last year when it was 17. I just think that I'll, I'll give like the quick and dirty on this one. Notre Dame got Sam Hartman, like, all time weight passing leader. He's great, has a pro arm, he's sick, whatever. Um, he also ran like a slow mesh offense, which was incredibly unique and was passer friendly. And they chucked the ball down the field to these two guys, AT Perry and Donovan green Two like, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're pros, but like they're, they're really good. 
He's going to Notre Dame, who has a new offensive coordinator, who's their tight old tight end coach, like a complete strikeout on their OC hire. So whole new system for Notre Dame, whole new system for the quarterback. They don't have any weapons on the outside anyway, so I don't know if they're going to be able to take advantage of a Navy team that has a really poor secondary. Navy's yeah. defense is really good against the run. I think Notre Dame can try and like just pound the rock against them. These two teams played last year. Notre Dame scored 35 in the first half and then didn't score in the second half. They completely turtled and Navy almost came back and won. It was 35-32. Again, that spread closed around like 16 and a half, 17. I think Navy hiring a new head coach, which is just promoting their DC, and they got a really good offensive coordinator who runs the triple option from Kennesaw State. I just think that this number is being inflated because Stan Hartman's impact is like artificially saying like, oh, Notre Dame's better because their quarterback's better. But like that's not actually the case. The game's also in Dublin. It's supposed to rain. And Notre Dame's schedule, <laughs> yeah, Notre Dame's schedule sets up really poorly, actually. If you go look, Notre Dame, like, they play Tennessee State next week, which, like, you're thinking, like, Reed, what are you talking about? Like, they're obviously going to destroy uh, Tennessee State next week. But that being said, they don't get a bye week until week eight. So they play eight straight games to start the season, which In is like one, And one away like that. Yeah, exactly. So if they do build a bit of a lead, I wonder if they kind of turtle and just like, we're like, all right, screw this. Like, let's just get out of here. Let's not like push the yeah. out to the metal. I don't think they're looking to run up the score on Navy. And also Navy, obviously one of the slowest teams. They're a good underdog bet just in yeah. general. Um, so I like Navy, even 20 and a half. And then the other game really quick. I hope that was a quick one, but no, you're uh, good. You're fine. <laughs> UMass, New Mexico state. This is a, this is a grimy one over 44 and a half, which I see at FanDuel, I would say get that 44 and a half, 45 is a key number. 45 is the stopping point. Don't play 45 and a half, even though I think I projected for like 50 and a half. But so these two teams played last year, 23, 13 Aggies. Um, New Mexico State closed the season on a tear, mainly because their defense was like national average, which for them is like awesome. Like they're usually one of the worst teams. They won, I think it was like six or seven. They made a bowl game. It was great. Good for them. They return like 45% of their defense from last season, like bottom 20 in the country. They have nobody back. So the defense is going to look much different. Their offense returns their quarterback against a UMass defense that blitzes at a ton, and they suck. UMass has the lowest win total in the country. They're terrible. They're just not so, good. Yeah. New Mexico State, their offense wasn't great, but they hit explosive plays a lot. They were top 30 in explosive pass rate. Diego Pavia, their quarterback, kind of like a roller coaster, but he makes big plays. So I think UMass is going to blitz and New Mexico State could take the top off. UMass's offense has been terrible, but they got this kid, Tyson Fomachon, if you remember him. He was a huge Clemson recruit a few years ago, like a four-star. Big yeah, what happened four. to him? Like, yeah, he <laughs> plays for UMass now. <laughs> uh, so he transfers from Clemson, doesn't really catch on there. Georgia Tech doesn't catch on there. He's now at UMass. They're going up against the – They also UMass has also gotten a handful of like Former Power Five recruits like uh, Malik Just Pope like from Miami, almost, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, there's some offensive pop here, and this kid Fomachan really athletic. Like he can make some plays. So I think a new look New Mexico State defense. I think this number is being like saturated because like the total was like 39 and a half last year, and it was 23 13. It was like Whoa, disgusting. Yeah. So I think both offenses should be able to get what they want here. And also, this is another thing that was just made aware to me. I didn't even think of it, but. Um, New Mexico State, they play obviously in New Mexico, Las Cruces. It's gonna be like a hundred degrees 100 on Saturday. Degrees. Yeah. So maybe all these defenders get like absolutely dumb tired and like a few plays slip through. I mean, listen, total's 45. That's really low for a college football game. So 
to me, I think that these two could each break into the twenties and, you know, it's a pretty competitive game. Like, I don't know, call it like 27, 20 New Mexico state, like that gets you over. I, I think that's the case. So uh, those yeah. are two plays I think that are still good for uh, week zero. Love it. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because you said you think it could be close. The spreads kind of come together a little bit, opened at eight, and then now it's down to six and a half. So I do think that that kind of makes a little bit of sense, at least in seeing a competitive game. So Reed, it's fucking been awesome having you talk about college football, but this is the point of the podcast where I kind of told you about pods and recs. But first, we got to ask producer Corey, how you doing, dude? Great, Joe. Great. How, how do you feel about uh, we? You know, we've taken a little bit of a siesta in terms of recording together for you know a little bit of the summer. How do you feel? How you been? Uh, the listeners miss you. So sorry, our World Series, Little League World Series coverage has been shit. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Have you guys hey, been watching the Little League World Series? Summer, dude. So we yeah, have been watching the Little League World Series because our fantasy football league's draft order is determined by the outcomes of the Little League World Series game. Who do you guys got? I've been locked Fuck in on those. those. I, watch the kid- I watch the kitties every day. Who do you guys? I have the West. The- I have the West. Which, is that is that that's the, that's, the, that's the California team, like the Southern California team? Oh my God, their coach is the biggest moron ever. They're so much better than every team in the U.S. bracket. I don't know They're- how they lost the game. Because their their manager has been like galaxy braining their pitching decisions. First of all, the uh, uh, really short literally World Series tangent because I've been watching the entire thing and I've been betting on it. Um, the, sick. They, I'm five eight. I'm like an average twenty six year old. They have like nine six two kids and they're twelve. It is yeah. daunting to look at. They look like a basketball team. I, I don't understand like the growth spurts on like some of these kids. Like, cause I feel like when I was 12 years old, I was like five foot five, like max. Bro, when I was, when I was 12 years old, I must not even five feet. I must've been like four ten, a hundred percent. I'm short. So like, there's and, no way. And there was always like the one kid that was like five foot nine. You thought he was like, the tallest motherfucker of all time, full beard. But then you like grew up and you realized that he was just completely done growing. Like he was never going to grow more than he was that. up to everybody, everybody's shoulder by like <laughs> sophomore year. Yeah. Like that was it. It was like, oh, he's done. Like he's, he's cooked. No, like first Texas and water. Some, uh, yeah. Arm hair. Yeah, yeah. The first kid with armpit hair. That was always, a, that was always like a big guy. If you're yeah, that yeah, kid, yeah, they you're, spin you're out pretty huge. quick. Yeah. They're like, uh, oh, he's going to play center in basketball. It's like, oh no, he's maxing out as a point guard. <laughs> yeah. Like all, all the leg hair already. Like while like other kids are like, pass me the ball, pass me the ball. I know. <laughs> Always one of them. Uh, but so wh- what do you think about the Little League World Series? Like who's going to win right now? Uh, I mean, this kid on China is Chinese Taipei is uh, out of control. I want- uh, he's <laughs> he's throwing 81. He looks like he he doesn't look like he's like 20, but he looks like he's like 16. Like he he's a big boy for sure. Uh, he throws like 80 something and Curacao, it was their one chance to, to win today and like really kind of mix it up for uh Taipei and they they were close and then the the fourth inning got away from when they lost. So if I had to guess Taipei, I think Cali ends up getting to the finals and Taipei just uh, just whoops Cali in my opinion. Yeah, I think what 81, I don't even know what the conversion is for it was 81. like 105 I saw. That's which is like just disgusting. disgusting. Yeah, it's That's absolutely insane. filthy. He's ridiculous. Uh, like it's just like one of those it's like I don't know how you even hit that because I get like the conversion right but it's like they're kids like their brains just like aren't even developed enough to like keep up with that 
Here, I'll tell you one more Lily World Series story. So I'm sitting here like at my desk and I have like my big monitor and I'm I'm working and watching the Hamlet Lily World Series on like my my monitor. And my girlfriend was working from home for the day and she was like, What what are you watching? And I'm like, like because I never have it up on like my monitor, really. maybe like golf sometimes or something. But yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, I was like, Oh, like, I'm watching uh baseball. She's like, You you like you don't watch baseball, like whatever. And I was like, I was like, Oh no, like it's like the Little League World Series. She's like, You're watching 12 year olds, and I'm like <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because I watch every say year. It like that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And she's like, did you bet on it? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, ooh, <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> she was not. She does. She does not care about my tendencies. She did not like that one. That was like a, a maybe an ick or a red flag for her. She did not like the Little League World Series betting on a Friday. Hey, you know, you gotta, you you gotta get through the day every time. So I mean, Listen, you're like college football's right around the corner. Yeah, like, right around the corner. yeah, they're at least 18. So <laughs> you know, at least it's worth it there. So um, but uh, but producer Corey, I want to start you off with uh what do you what do you have for the listeners? I'm sure you have a pristine recommendation here. Yeah, it's already August. If you can't carry over your PTO, start burning that shit up. Don't wait. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Still uh, that time. How much more PTO do you have, producer Corey? Plenty. Not enough or plenty? Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> i love it Reed, what, too much what are we looking at for you so it's a good segue uh that producer Corey said that i burned through all my pto uh i went to italy for two weeks oh, yeah. with uh the girlfriend and i read a fantastic book so kind of nerdy but i'm recommending a book let's go uh, okay. heat, heat two if you've seen the movie heat you should watch it for sure because it's one of the best movies of all time uh robert heroes in it al pacino val kilmer it's a michael mann movie uh, he co-wrote the book Heat 2, which is based on like it goes different timelines in the book, but it's takes place right after Heat ended. So it's almost like a continuation sequel and also a prequel. Book was absolute banger. I read it in two weeks, it's like 450 pages, which like I feel like that's a pretty almost big accomplishment for uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty big accomplishment <laughs> for Reed. So um I couldn't put it down though. It was absolutely amazing. So that's my wreck. I love it. I love it. I am going to, I, I generally recommend food. I've been on this like weird, well, actually no, it's because my wife has been on this kick where she's just been really into pierogies and we've <laughs> been like, I, they've been great, honestly. And I've been tossing them in the air fryer, which is like, I think a little bit of an unconventional move, but I think it's, it's a little bit better. They're less oily and you can kind of still get the right consistency. So it's a nice little side. And if you're not feeling like, Oh, like I want to do like a real potato or, or, you know, like I kind of want a mashed potato, but I want to bite something. I want to eat it with my hands. Uh, it definitely gives you a little bit of an opportunity there to mix it up a little bit. You, you know, you can get them frozen. You don't have to make them yourself. Like it's, it's just a frozen ravioli basically, except not Italian. So like, it's fine. It's like a reverse gnocchi. It's we're good. So, you know, like it's, we're, we're doing okay. And we've been enjoying the, the pierogies. It's been a pretty good spud. So you know, Reed, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, let everybody know where to find you, where to get your podcast, and, uh, you know, tune when to tune in. Yeah, totally. So you can follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wallach. I basically just ramble nonsense the entire time, but uh, hopefully something piques your interest there. So you can follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wallach. Uh, you can find my work at betsided.com. I'm the senior editor there, and my podcast is The Early Reed, Reed, R-E-E-D. Uh, like my name, uh, episodes drop every Tuesday with a guest. And then Friday, a solo pod, best bets for the show. That's going to be through the college football season. 
And from there, it'll be once a week. And yeah, Joe, appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, best luck to California and hopefully get the number one pick in the uh, fantasy draft. Hey, thanks, man. So we're we're doing what we can. We're going to put all the links for Reed stuff in our bio so you guys can get that information right there. Like, subscribe to ours, and then obviously like and subscribe to his. And with all of that, use that PTO, read some books, eat your pierogies, and let's cash that. Please come now, I think I'm falling. Found the road to nowhere, and I'm trying to escape. I am back when I heard thunder, but I'm down to one last breath. And will it let me say, let me say, hold me now? I'm six feet from the edge, and I'm thinking. Maybe six feet is so far Please come